Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Shift. As usual, I hope he's had a lovely week. Um, this week's guest I'm very excited about. So I found him on TikTok and he's a therapist and he does all these funny uh, therapist TikToks. It's called Therapy Den on everything. And his name is Jeff Gunter, which I didn't actually realize until we started doing this interview because I had DM'd him on Instagram asking if he would come on. But the videos are great. They're funny. He gives great advice. So when I I then obviously with last week's episode being like kind of like a horror therapy episode I wanted to have a therapist on who could give great advice and a perspective so we talk all about how to vet a therapist advice for couples oh why safe and secure in a relationship just isn't hot and how to keep your sex life you know interesting and fun and a little bit about astrology at the end just because he had a funny video about it so yeah um if you want to see the video it's on the patreon patreon forward slash the shift podcast and there's also solo episodes there as well. I'm going to be doing an episode from Hawaii. I'm actually recording this intro from Hawaii. So I'm going to do that with my friends as well. And again, if you have any questions or anything or any stories, please DM me at Katie Bull Comic. But other than that, enjoy this episode. And I'll talk to you next week. I love that Zoom does that now. <laughs> right? They ask for consent. Yeah, they should, have been, they should have been doing that like in the pandemic with all the Zoom dates. <laughs> I know. They really should have. <laughs> did you go on Zoom dates? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, they were yeah, fine. I did too. <laughs> one guy had like a space background the whole time I was like I can't be talking to you while you're floating in space <laughs> oh yeah someone I talked to had just like cows grazing in the background uh, which was pretty cute and then I couldn't stop looking at the cows yeah it's cute but it's also like okay what are you hiding how messy is your room <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly Thank you so much for doing uh, this podcast. I just realized I didn't know your name the whole time. Is there a reason why you don't disclose your name on the social media? No. Um, well, no. My, so my name is Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Gunther. Um, I don't know. I started the account for like the therapist directory that I'm running, Therapy Den. And for some reason, I just like never think about disclosing my own name. So I'm not trying to hide it. You can tell everybody that my name is Jeff Gunther. Right. Um, why did you start the therapy den it's amazing because I found it on TikTok I love TikTok um, and I watch a lot of um, it's like I'm I try to get my therapy via t- TikTok <laughs> but it's so great I love yours it's like a completely diff- different approach to it because you're very honest with your own feelings and um, and it's very funny as well oh thank you uh, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe like a lot of other people during the pandemic, I started to, I downloaded TikTok and got like pretty obsessed with it, watched it way too much. And I've been watching it for maybe the past two years. Uh, and I love the content. It's really fun. It's really addictive. And after a while, I was like, I could do this. I was like, I know what these TikTokers are looking for. Uh, And I also feel like this is just like a unique way of putting out content. uh, content. And I felt like I can just be like really honest. And that would be sort of like my angle, like this like really honest therapist who talks, who tries to like educate clients about what they should ask for, what they should be looking for in therapy. And then is also like transparent about my own journey of like, sometimes I mess up or I'm not the best and here's what happens. 
Um, so I thought that that voice mixed with like TikTok, where it seems like there's just like so much authenticity on TikTok, um, that I felt like it'd be a good fit. Yeah, definitely. Um, plus you've grown so quickly because I think when I started following you, you had just started and I'm like, oh my God, I keep telling my friends, I'm like, get on TikTok, you grow quickly. But like watching you, I'm like, oh, you really can grow quickly. <laughs> yeah, I think I've been doing it for maybe three or so weeks now. And yeah, it's over 100,000 followers and like tons. Of, and there's a few videos that have gotten to a million or a little over a million, but there was... Last week, I don't know if you saw the video, I made a video about better help. Did you yes, see that one? That. And that was like, I felt like I kind of flew a little cl- too close to the sun or something. I had like a panic attack after that one started to go viral a bit because I'm basically like talking shit about better help and how much I hate better help. And here's some of the problematic things about better help, which we can talk about if you want to. But then I was just like, better help is going to destroy me. <laughs> like they're going to like... <laughs> it's like when you go after your landlord but they have like a bunch of lawyers or something you're exactly. like oh, I don't know if this is worth it <laughs> yeah. um but luckily they've ignored me uh after initially like commenting on one of my fi- videos about them they've sort of backed off so I don't know we'll see what happens there well so a good bit of the listeners uh, like half of the listeners are based in Ireland the rest of the listeners are America Australia mm-hmm. and Canada mm-hmm. And then like one person just roaming around like the the Middle East likes my podcast. <laughs> I'm like, hello. <laughs> but for in Ireland, there's no better help. So for the listeners, I guess uh, better help is like it's like an online directory. I was on it and I filled in how I'm poor and it was still way too expensive to get a therapist. And it, you kind of have to commit. You have to put in your bank card information. And it wasn't until I watched mm-hmm. your videos, I learned that you can interview a therapist before you actually commit to paying. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't exactly know how it works on BetterHelp. I think you just get handed a therapist and sometimes you can like request another one and then it's sort of up to them. Um, I always try to um, encourage people to interview therapists whenever they're going to see a therapist through whatever platform or in person, just because you want to make sure that you have someone who's a good fit. But BetterHelp is, yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting. It, It does fill a gap because there's like, it's a really accessible way to get therapy instead of like weeding through all the therapists on Google or therapist directories. You can just like sign up for the app and be like, I want therapy. Like you're asking for an Uber or a Lyft on your phone or something. And then all of a sudden, voila, a therapist, uh, which sounds pretty amazing. But part of the problem is that they like sell your personal information to third-party advertisers and they've like found a way to kind of get away with that. Um, the oh, I don't know. I don't want to like go off on my soapbox, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's well, well, because yours, I because I looked up uh, BetterHelp yesterday just because like I definitely need a therapist, and I've been like reluctant to do it for years. Um, but I it, you do have to put in your credit card information before, and it's too expensive yeah. for me anyway. I'm very poor. But then when I was looking at your one, the Therapy Den one, it is great because you get to see where they're based and contact them before you're putting any money information in and I'm like very careful with my money so for someone like that that is more approachable and I didn't even know there was like that's the most overwhelming thing about therapy is like how to find a therapist so already just knowing okay there's some here here's the contact information it makes it less overwhelming Mm yeah and I've listened to a few of your podcasts and it feels like you're uh seems like you're on a real journey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my poor listeners. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, it seems like you're really flirting with the idea of getting a therapist and going to therapy, but you haven't quite done it yet. And I'm not here to try to convince you to go to therapy. I mean, I advocate for therapy. I think it's wonderful, but it's, it's interesting how you're so like fascinated with the subject and with the field yet you haven't like stepped inside a therapy office. Why is that? Well, well, firstly money. So even when I looked on better help and you enter in a lot of the stuff, so I only work a little bit and then I make money off all this stuff, but it's just not enough to survive. It's enough for me to concentrate on it but it's like $60 a week. I'm like, that's a whole morning shift for me. That's crazy. Yeah. I can't be spending $60. Yeah. I, that's wild that anyone thinks that they're like, yeah, we're going to give you the cheapest one, $60. And before <laughs> I've even 
but I guess like it'd be different if I like shopped around and but still $60 I don't spend $60 a week on anything my phone bill is like <laughs> less than that a month <laughs> yeah $60 is a decent amount of money uh so to be giving that up every week and having that be $240 a month that's kind of a ton uh you can yeah if you go to therapy done or other places you can try to filter and search for therapists that maybe uh, offer therapy for like 30 or $40, but it's tricky because in New York, you're in New York, right? Yeah. In New York, therapists charge sort of like the most uh, than any other city. It's there. It's New York city and San Francisco that charge the most when it comes to therapy, because they, a lot of times New York and San Francisco therapists have to pay for like really expensive office space. Um, and insurance companies, when they pay the, like if you have insurance and you're going to get therapy, uh, and you want your insurance to pay for it, the insurance companies decide on how much they're going to pay the therapists. So a therapist might say, I charge $200 a session and the insurance company is like, we're going to pay you 80. Uh, so a lot of times New York and San Francisco therapists can't charge insurance because they just won't get paid enough. So they have to like, up the rate and charge out of pocket. And then it makes it like people like you, it's hard to find a therapist. that's affordable. Yeah. And I'm sure mm-hmm. there is, I should just look into it too. There's a bit of laziness to it as well. I'm sure there is like, <laughs> like, yeah, I will eventually. But when you said, why don't I do it? I had, I went to a therapist as a child and they told, asked me to pick between which parent to live with, but I was kind of like, uh you know what was that word like oh I, I can't think of the word where I was told what to say before I went in, like groom oh, before you're I went in coach so mm-hmm. I think it just kind of took up a, 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 a and as well then you also if you're busy and you're doing shit and so to sit down and be like okay I'm afraid I'll like fall apart and not have the time to kind of and then they're like well it's an hour and you're like okay <laughs> <laughs> I know this is all just silly reasons I mean they're <laughs> Maybe they're silly reasons, but there are also real reasons that like a lot of people hesitate to go into therapy. First of all, being like groomed or coached to like uh, when you're a little kid going to therapy, that is overwhelming. That's really scary. That's upsetting that that happened to you. And I totally understand why you'd be turned off by therapy because of that experience. A lot of us have like very weird or uncomfortable experiences when we're a kid going to therapy. Uh but, you know, it'd probably be a lot different as an adult since now you're like an adult that has more power and can make your own decisions instead of like getting groomed to make a specific choice. Um, but still, I totally validate that. That is a weird fucked up experience. Um, and then, yeah, the the issue of like going to therapy and then sort of like leaving an emotional mess that could happen. (laughs) Uh, But I will say in defense of therapists, we are like so good at watching that clock. So when a client is coming in and they're talking and they're starting to get emotional, I'm like, great. We're only five minutes in fucking go for it. Like cry me a river. You're going to be fine by the end of the session. I will get you to that place. But if they start to get like a little emotional or vulnerable, like five minutes before the session ends, I'm going to wrap that shit up. I'm going to be like, nope. (laughs) Like this seems really important and I really want to dig into it we're going to pause right here and we'll start with this next time because I don't want to I don't want you to like leave here a mess and usually like we can do that and I'm pretty good at like timing when the tears are allowed to come and when they're maybe getting too close to the end of the session you know what I mean yeah absolutely no that is good to hear and then one of the videos you shared was about who you think should go to therapy or reasons to go to therapy can you talk a bit about that other than me specifically. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard. I mean, you're asking somebody who thinks that, like, I think everybody should go to therapy for every single reason. Uh, one of the one of the things that I said in that video is that you get to sort of have you get like reparented. Um, and I mentioned in that TikTok video that, like, oftentimes our parents, as much as they love us. Um, they make mistakes, they um, have the best intentions, but sometimes they fuck us up knowingly or unknowingly. And so it's nice to go to a therapist who's basically trained to like reparent you. 
so that like you can get like the unconditional love and positivity and cheerleading and attention or like whatever uh like you can get all of that from a trained professional that's trained and sort of like reparenting you so it kind of like fills in all those holes that maybe were left from your childhood but also just want to put this out there um therapists are not supposed to like attack your parents or convince you that they were a bad parent. I mean, I could, if you want me to, Uh, but we know that like parents typically are trying the best that they can. And a lot of times like folks that come into therapy, especially for the first time, they don't really want to talk about their parents because they're super protective of them. They're like, Oh, my mom and dad tried so hard. And like, if we start to like focus on their flaws, I'm going to be really mad or sad for them. And I don't want to go into that. Uh, Do you feel like you might have that feeling if you started to talk about your parents? Um, I guess with my dad. Yeah. I would feel protective over him, even though I, the older I get, I do know that there is some things he could have definitely done differently. Mm -hmm. Um, but I still, I'm like, he's like human. With my mother, it's different because she has like undiagnosed mental health issues. Mm. So I would not feel bad talking about her. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Um, but that was just like a, a toxic relationship. And I, I am happy that I'm not involved in it anymore. So mm. I mm-hmm. think if I were in therapy, I would probably talk about that just to come to terms with it. But I don't, yeah, I think I can see being protective over a parent for sure. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are really protective. Um, And then there's like the folks that are just like, yeah, there's like clearly some stuff that went on or some trauma that was created and they want to dig into it. Like, it sounds like you might be curious to like really kind of get in there a little bit and see what's up and see how like your relationship with your mom and maybe your dad like has affected you and your personality. But it's important to know that especially like the first few sessions, I'm doing like a lot of questions asking, asking about your, your family, but I'm sort of being like, I don't know, like a archeologist, just sort of like digging around, seeing like how your personality formed, not trying to like move things too much and being like extremely gentle because I know that I like accidentally might hit something that could be really upsetting or triggering or traumatic or some memory that you haven't thought about in a long time. Uh, And I'm not going to really dig in and get in there until you and I can really trust each other. And it feels like you're super comfortable, comfortable and feel safe. Yeah, that's really good to know, because last week's episode, which just went up today, was uh, Stephen Campbell. He was talking about a horror experience he had with a therapist. Oh, no. uh, I know, but I do think he just happened to pick the worst therapist in New York. <laughs> like, cause it's just like, I was, it sounded like she was like a con artist. I don't think Ooh. it's none of what you, it's exactly the opposite to everything you just said, which is why it was perfect timing having you on. I knew he was going to share his bad experience. So it was nice then to have a therapist that I seen on TikTok who was giving great advice, but yeah, it was all the opposite to what you're doing but that's why I think it's good to shop around he didn't interview her before he just went straight into the therapy session okay yeah like I try to tell everybody like you need to interview the fuck out of that therapist ask them anything you want and it can be like clinical questions like why do you specialize in codependency and what are your treatment interventions that you use and how much better do you think I'm gonna get or when is change going to happen or how often do I have to whatever like it can be clinical and it can be really personal information of like where are you from are you married do you have any kids um have you ever experienced like parenting issues what are your parents like now therapists may not like answer all of those questions, but you can ask those questions. And when you ask those questions, you're going to start to get like a really good feel for who that therapist is and what they're all about. Um, And yeah, if you like go to multiple therapists at first, just like little intake sessions, you'll figure out which ones you like better. But all that being said, there are some horrible therapists out there (laughs) that happens. And so, but when you, when you're interviewing them, you don't have to, it's not a paid session, right? It's just we're going to have a chat first. Um, it should be free. Um, 
some therapists are like, we can talk for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 60 minutes. And I'm going to charge you. And you can be like, nope, uh, I'd like to talk to you over the phone or on zoom for 10 to 15 or 20 minutes. And I don't want to pay. Um, therapists can still say no, that they want to get paid for their time. And that's totally fine. But most likely all therapists are going to give you like a little bit of time to talk for free. So you can get an understanding of what they're like. Is there a certain criteria you should look before to make sure uh, like that they're just not someone off the street being like, hello, I'm a therapist now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's, that's a really good question because I mean, I've been a therapist for maybe almost 20 years and there, I have never had a client that has asked me if I'm really a therapist. (laughs) Like I could just be Joe Schmo off the street, just being like, I'm a counselor, come and see me. And nobody's asked me uh, what my license is or how I got my license or where I went to graduate school or undergraduate school. Like no clients have ever asked me. Um, You should though, you should definitely ask them all those things. So um, if you're just going to ask one of those questions though, you can ask them, what is your license in? Are you a licensed therapist? And there's like some different types of licensed therapists, like marriage family therapist, a professional counselor or social worker or psychologist. Um, and they should be able to easily tell you what their license is in. And then you can Google that license or go to like the state website and you can look up their license and you can see if they're in good standing. You can even ask the therapist if they're in good standing and if there's ever been any complaints about them they have to legally tell you if you were getting anything you would just double check i've background checked boyfriends (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly we stock our partners so much more than we stock our therapists and maybe it should be the other way around oh what's your speciality uh well it's kind of changed throughout the years uh originally when i was in college when i was just a baby I was planning to see um, teenagers, well, mostly kids in middle school, so sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Um, And I was going to focus on like the little boys. And so I did my internship just doing um, counseling with like little skater kids (laughs) that were bad. (laughs) Uh, They just like ditched school and didn't listen to their parents. It was adorable. Um, And then I went into when I like first started my therapy career, I started, I continued to like talk to middle schoolers and do counseling with them. And then I started doing family therapy. That fucking sucked. Um, I'm not, it turns out I'm not a good family therapist because I fucking hate working with parents. Um, Because a lot of times it's the parents that are sort of like driving the kid crazy. And so most of the therapy has to happen with the parents or like in family therapy sessions. And if those parents don't want to like change or don't want to take accountability for shit, then I can't stand them. So I was having a lot of problems just sort of like not having compassion for parents. And if a therapist doesn't have like compassion for a certain type of client, then they should get their own therapy about it and stop seeing those clients. Um, So I stopped seeing families and kids because I was like, I need to get my own therapy about these parents. And I started to see, um, mostly adults in their like twenties and thirties. And it was kind of like adults that were having like existential crises or sort of like, I'm 30 years old and this is not what I thought my life was going to look like. What the fuck is happening? Um, So like relationship issues and problems. I also saw couples. I still see couples, but at the beginning I was seeing couples, like all the different types of couples, like new couples and couples that have been together forever Um, And then I found out that I hate seeing couples that have been together for a really long time (laughs) because usually they're coming into therapy and there's so much fucking shit that you need to get into. They haven't talked to each other for two years. They haven't fucked for 10 years. They're like, they're like roommates, just sort of like living parallel lives in the same house. And that's interesting stuff, but there's so much digging and so much resentment and hatred that is built up that like, I don't want to do it. So I just work with like happy ish couples or like new couples that are just newly together or just married so that there's like still a lot of love. They're probably still having some sex uh, and they're feeling good about stuff. But now (laughs) I'm most, I mostly focus on people that are feeling anxious in relationships. So it's more of like an anxious attachment style or like feelings of codependency. 
that's interesting that you like the newer couples now because it's like you're getting them before the issues go too far which it's like those longer couples should have and do you think for those longer couples that it gets too far that there's a point like that do you ever would have suggested breaking up yeah break the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) definitely and and a lot of times those couples are coming into my office so I can like give them permission to break up and I am more than willing to tell you to break up if it seems like you just want to fucking break up like that is totally fine um I might be a little like subtle about it or kind of like beat around the bush at first but I'll be super direct if you need me to that's fine um But again, I'm like, you should go find a therapist that has a lot more patience regarding that. And so if you're a couple and you're looking for a couple's counselor, ask that counselor if they work with like newer couples or older couples or whatever you're dealing with in your relationship. And so uh, with newer couples, what are some issues that come up? So for because sometimes I think with newer couples, if an issue comes up in our like day, day to day life, whatever tends so instant, people just break up very easily. Like, is there any Mm -hmm. issues that you're like, oh, just come to therapy and we can work it out that you've found that's like, like not like something that a lot of people deal with? Uh, A lot of times the new couples that are coming in and having issues, they're like projecting their old baggage and relationship bullshit like onto their new person. And so a lot of it is me being like, okay, this sounds like it's coming from your ex who (laughs) sounds like a fucking tool. Uh, I get it. They're the worst. Um, But uh, how can we like process that and understand that and leave that in the past and figure out like what's going on in the moment with you two? Uh, So there's that there's like old relationship baggage that's getting projected onto the current one. And it's hard to navigate that, Um, which can be sort of easy to problem solve. But sometimes you have to like really dig deep. Um, A lot of times it's and it's sort of related to what I was just saying, but a lot of times it's couples that are coming in and wanting to be able to like express how they're feeling to their partner. And they want their partner to just like listen and be curious and non-judgmental and like hold like a safe emotional space, but they're getting too triggered or they're not able to do that somehow. So a lot of it is like me kind of helping and training both of the people in the relationship Uh, about like how to sit there and just like do active listening and be really empathetic and wait to talk (laughs) until the other person is done talking. So like some like basic communication skills. Um, Also sex stuff. There's a lot of sex stuff that comes in because like we've like, um, usually it's kind of like carried over from our last relationship or relationships from the past where there's like a lot of anxiety Uh, with sex so there's performance anxiety with the dudes it's hard to get it up Um, so we talk about um, different ways to navigate performance anxiety um, and just sort of like not feeling super comfortable when you're having sex and so trying to figure out how to like make it so that you're both feeling better when you're in bed and do you have any tips because I've heard a lot of women struggle with that a bit with the comfortableness in bed just like getting comfortable with a partner Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's easy for me to say, but it's kind of hard to do sometimes. But um, I really want women and men and everyone to be able to speak up and ask for what they want. And when you're having sex and uh, what that means usually is like, go ahead, have some sex, do the sex. And then right after you have sex, talk about it talk about like the things that you really enjoyed and give feedback about how they can do things better um, and do that every single time you have sex. And I do that with my partner, no matter how long I've been with them, even if it's like really fucking annoying to them, I'm going to be like, that was really great sex. And these are the things that I love. And can you do more of this? And actually I think the other thing that you did was like a little funky. Let's not do that anymore. Or like, let's put that on hold. Um, So go ahead and speak up, definitely, 100%. Um, And if you, like, make it, like, a normal routine of, like, debriefing sex afterwards, then it's easier to talk. Uh, Do you do something like that with your partner? 
Um, yeah, no, it's funny because like in the podcast, I'll always be like, communicate, say what you want. But sometimes I'm like, I don't even know what I want. Like, I'm very, I, I don't know what this issue is, but like on a Monday, I might want something. But on a, if you do that on a Tuesday, that irritates the fuck out of me. And I don't know why I'm like that. So I have communicated with my partner now that like, like, oh, if you go to do something that I usually like, I might just pull it back because I might not be in the mood. So I do tell him. Yeah all of that but like sometimes he'll be like what do you like and I'm like I don't know just try a bunch of things and I'll let you know as we go along because it, like it's especially with, like let's say with lads going down on you I could yeah. be like yeah I love that swirly thing but you can never recreate that like every guy does a completely different so I'm just like try a few things and I'll let you know what I like and then yeah you kind of figure it out but uh, I find sex so confusing <laughs> for someone who has a sex podcast I'm like I don't know and I'm like this horny horny person all the time and now that I'm in a healthy relation it's the first healthy relationship I've ever been in I'm just not as horny and I'm like why was I only horny for like crazy guys I don't know I'll tell you why that typically is um I see that a lot actually um when you're in a relationship that feels like really safe and secure and grounded that is so not hot (laughs) it's not right it's not hot I mean it's oh god what a fucking turn on I know uh and I mean and that's like really unfortunate because like a lot of us are looking for relationships where it's like super secure and you feel really safe and really good but like real safe intimacy is not usually a turn on like sex that comes with uh, that's like unpredictable. And uh, what the fuck am I doing here? Should I even be doing this? Like there's like, what's going to happen next. That's usually like a really big turn on because your adrenaline is pumping and you're really in the moment and you have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, so if you're in a really like safe, secure trusting relationship you have to be a little bit more deliberate about like adding the sexiness to it you know how do you do that what would you suggest is good ways to do that (laughs) I'm gonna do it tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) um I really like it and this kind of goes back to the communication piece if you're like trying to give your partner some feedback but I really want people to tell their partners what their fantasies are and so this works well too if you're like not liking something um, that they're doing you can just sort of like leave that out and be like you know what really turns me on and you kind of give them the opposite of what they did that you didn't like Um, and so if you talk about your fantasies then usually like things start to feel a lot more sexy and also if you like add novelty if you like do something a little different even if it's like a different position or a different room or a different environment or different music if you just sort of like change it up and add novelty then that can like really turn things on um some some folks like going to like you have to kind of like think about what your kinks are and then like express those kinks and then maybe like take it to the next level if you're feeling safe enough do, doing that. It might be like going to a sex club and having sex in front of people or just watching or having sex outside or doing it in your car, making it so that like it feels a little risky um, so that you're sort of like emulating those relationships that felt like there was just sort of like this natural risk involved, you know? Already I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I've been so boring just having sex in a bed. I should have sex in the bathroom and I think with like the because I've dated this is the first non-toxic guy oh well that's not true there was another non-toxic guy but I just wasn't attracted to him I was just trying to get out of my mm-hmm. I was trying to get out of my funk um but uh yeah that I'm like oh with those other guys it was more spur of the moment or they were like more like let's have sex outside and so I'm like mm-hmm. oh yeah I could just add those elements you're so right just add novelty or um try different mm-hmm. things yeah it's like have you ever watched the bachelor or bachelorette Mm-mm. no no but well, i've heard so much yeah. about it and i've seen the tiktoks <laughs> and i'm not like suggesting that everybody go watch the bachelor or bachelorette and really like any of those dating shows sort of like operate similarly where the producers know how to make people fall in love um which is like going like putting all these really sort of like attractive sexy people in these 
unfamiliar environments where they're doing like absolutely new things all the time, traveling the world, seeing the most beautiful places and doing like crazy shit, like strapping them up to a bungee and doing like couples bungee jumping. Your adrenaline is going to start pumping and the chemicals in both of your brains are just going to like attach to each other. And you really feel like you're in love. So when you watch those shows and you see what they're doing they're just like creating experiences that makes your dopamine go off that makes your adrenaline go off that makes your serotonin explode and whoever you're with if you're like deep sea diving in a cave and there's like sharks swimming around you you're gonna fucking fall in love whether you like it or not uh so you can get some ideas by watching those sorts of shows yeah my boyfriend's gonna be like why are we swimming with sharks (laughs) like because we're gonna be horny (laughs) exactly (laughs) but that's really really great advice I never even thought of the fact that they're put and that's so true because you know when you're younger and you go on holidays and you like fall in love with someone from a holiday romance Mm -hmm. and then you guys try to keep in contact when you go home but it's just not the same no it's not the same because it was just like such a unique novel situation so you have to try to add that into your relationship or with your partner you can you know, I feel like this usually doesn't work. So maybe don't do this (laughs) or you can try it and it's okay if it doesn't work, but uh, go ahead and commit to having sex every single day. Um, Yeah. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I dated this terrible narcissist guy and I was, he was like, oh, you're just so horny. Like even he was like, I can't keep up with you. But like with my partner now, Mm. I'm like, I don't have sex with him every day. So I don't understand (laughs) what's the core my best friend was like it's because you couldn't talk to that guy he was so boring he was just talking about himself the whole time that you were like i just gotta fuck him (laughs) (laughs) okay but i'll try that could very well be it every day yeah every day because part of the problem that i see with couples or anybody in, in any type of relationship is that um what can happen is that like Uh, you don't know if you're going to have sex that day or that night. And you're just sort of like trying to read the person and you're not, you're like, you're going to bed, but like how affectionate are you being? Or like you're in the kitchen, like, and you're making out, is this going to lead to something? And there's a lot of questions like, are we going to do it? Or are we not going to do it? Like, I have no idea. But if you take that off the table and you're just like, fuck it, we're going to like have sex every day or five times a week on these days, then the guesswork is taken out of it. And you can count on the fact that you're going to have sex. And even so, if you don't want to have sex, then do not have sex. I like you should not force yourself or your partner to have sex. But I will say, and you've probably experienced this yourself, if you're not really in the mood, but then you start to have sex, most often you get into the mood. Uh, And there's just like something really um, satisfying and predictable and nice about knowing that you're going to have sex every day. And then you start to kind of like get addicted to it almost where like you're really looking forward to it. You don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to have sex or not. You know, I would have not thought that was the advice at all. That's brilliant. I would have thought that it's like I'm saying. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go. No, you go. What are we saying? I was going to say it's not popular advice. <laughs> But (laughs) it's advice that I've given that I've seen pretty good results with. But if it doesn't work for you, then totally don't do it. I know. I think it is like, okay, so one side, maybe people for listening are like, oh, does that take out the spontaneity? But for the other side, what I find stressful is so like uh, when let's say this morning I wanted to get up and like write down all my questions and be prepared for this podcast and my boyfriend was like do you want to have sex and I was like I'm fucking 30 minutes to have sex and I would just like I if I had a if we just like plan it a bit more especially when you have a lot going on if you can schedule it in a bit more that would be helpful for people who are busy mm-hmm. I think because you're not like well okay fine but fucking you better come in 15 minutes <laughs> it's like yeah, exactly. I, scheduling sex is not a bad thing. Like, like, take that out of your mind. A lot of people think that if you scheduled sex and that's like sad or depressing or it takes a spontaneity out, um, it is so good because you don't have to worry about it. Uh, and you're being adults. You're having like, you're, you have a busy life. It's good to schedule your sex. Okay. Yeah, I like this. Another thing you said as well uh, was... Uh, you did a video responding to a girl saying, basically talking about being addicted to emotional abuse because so many of my girlfriends and I feel this too and 
and my guy friends too. So sorry, it's not just gender based because some of my guy friends, I'm like, yeah. where they're just addicted to that, the highs and the lows and find it hard to then transition into a healthy relationship. I've had the same in my relationship now where I've had to be like, mm-hmm. this is normal. Just because he's not throwing a dish at you, it doesn't mean he doesn't love you. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, there's that. We all have to watch out for that because there's a sort of like cycle of abuse or cycle of emotional abuse where you'll get into a fight. It'll feel really horrible. You'll be really upset and you'll be really angry. Um, And then eventually you make up. And when you're like making up, the dopamine like shoots up and it feels amazing. And then eventually it kind of fades and you get into another fight. And it starts all over again and all over again. And our brains are totally addicted to that pattern of like getting into a fight, making up, having hot sex, and then eventually doing it all over. Um, And when you're stuck in that sort of loop, it's really hard to break free. And in the TikTok video that I was, that I mentioned that, um, I'm I'm like kind of like directly speaking to people usually women where like they make a boundary with their very toxic ex-boyfriend where they're just like, this is not going to work for me. I can't talk to you anymore where they're just like, I'm going to break this fucking cycle. I can't do this anymore. And right when you break that cycle, you immediately start to doubt yourself. And you think like, I'm the dramatic one. I'm being crazy. What am I doing? Like I'm out of control. Uh, And then you eventually start to make excuses as to like why you should talk to your ex again. And then the whole pattern starts over and over again. And that like up and down craziness uh, is hard to get out of. And so I'm trying to like convince people that they can get out of it. Like setting boundaries is really hard. And then especially when someone gaslights you and when you're in it. Mm -hmm. You, you mm-hmm. can't really tell that it's got you're like yeah you're right I'm crazy or <laughs> you're like no. Uh-huh. no yeah exactly but when you're setting a boundary you're setting a boundary and you're letting the person know that this is the best way to love me do you want to love me these are the ways that you can love me and this is the way that I'll let it in or you're not loving me the right way and I don't want to like have anything to do with this uh, so super important to set boundaries you also said and I have just a question about this because you said and it was great you're saying when someone says that you're too needy um like you can find someone who can uh who won't think that who'll think that they're they're willing to mm-hmm. you know be there for you uh but the other side of that is how do you tell people who are expecting too much from a partner who has maybe put in healthy boundaries yeah so the first part is like i think a lot of clients seek me out because I work with people that feel feel really anxious in relationships or feel really like quote unquote needy. Um, And half the time those folks are coming in and they're like, oh, my partner says that I'm being too needy. And it's usually because their partner isn't actually meeting their emotional needs. And a lot of their like emotional needs that they're asking to be met are totally fine and extremely realistic. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I've had that so much where I'm like, oh, the men of guys have called me too needy. My boyfriend now goes over out and beyond to do stuff for me that I wouldn't even expect but like I've said to friends and they've been like you're too needy you you just wanted to see him once a week or you just wanted him to like (laughs) you know drop you home he has a car like you know like they were like this isn't too needy these are like basic expectations and I'm like oh okay yeah 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 those are basic expectations, but like the fucked up part about it is that when we are too needy or feel too needy or being told we're too needy, we usually don't tell our friends about it because it's like an embarrassing, shaming thing to be told or to be called. So the like most important thing is to like, if you're being told that you're too needy, it's to like do reality checking um, where you ask your friends or your therapist or whoever you feel comfortable with, or you're like, hey, I'm asking for X, Y, Z. Do you think that that's too needy? Um, And really ask for honest feedback from your friends. I mean, your friends are probably just like like always going to take your side because they're being good friends. But if you ask them to give you like honest feedback, they'll probably take a moment to think about it and tell you what's up. Um, And then the other side, like you're asking is sort of like, well, when am I being too needy? When am I asking for too much? And usually that kind of goes into... um, is your happiness, self-worth, self-esteem, is it like dependent on your partner? So if you can't be happy on your own and you can only be happy if your partner is loving you or giving you attention or doting on you, 
or wanting to fuck you or something like, then you're probably too quote unquote needy. And you're acting a little bit like there's like codependency issues that are coming up. Um, So that's sort of, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I've definitely had friends where the expect, and it's not just in uh, boyfriend, girlfriend or same sex relationships, not just in emotional relationships, but like as in friendships where I'm like that person is expecting mm. way too much from you um, and I think it is right it's like that they're needing this person to fulfill something that they're they're missing maybe like the love from a parent or something because like, I've had friends before yeah. where I'm like okay you're I'm like if you were a boyfriend I would be thinking this is expecting too much from me <laughs> yeah exactly and if you I mean, if it's your friend that's asking too much from you and you like just are feeling overwhelmed by them um, and you're feeling like if you don't respond to them fast enough or do things with them often enough, then you're going to like be told that you're not good enough or you're being a bad friend. Then it's like, eh, it's starting to feel kind of like a toxic, weird relationship. And you should start putting up those boundaries and see if they respect those boundaries. And if they can respect them, then cool. If they can't, then it might not be the best friendship for you. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it's like these things can be in just all relationships in general. Oh yeah, they totally can. Um, they show up a lot of times in romantic relationships, but they come up everywhere. Mm-hmm. I want to keep on asking your questions, but I've been thinking about this since you said this <laughs> Great. at the beginning. We don't, we don't have to like go into it too much because it might be redundant to your listeners but can you give me like a small little synopsis of like the bad therapy experience that your friend had oh in the last definitely episode? so firstly my friend he is the sweetest person um and he probably goes over like probably gives too much to people in general like maybe like over empathetic and wants to help people but he grew up in like a gang violence area so he lost 25 of his friends to either gang violence or drug yeah like so you and you like meeting him you would never think that he had like a a dark past or such a traumatic childhood he he but he recently he wanted to kind of deal with that so a lot of our friends suggested therapy and he said he didn't want to I don't know why but for some reason he didn't want to like go to a very professional therapist because he was worried in the back of his head that they would tell him he was broken. I don't know where he got this. So someone suggested this one who's more like free flowing therapy. Um, (laughs) And it was massive mistake because in the first, yeah, in the first, uh, when he, when he gets there to the session, he lets himself into the apartment, which she told him to do, but she's asleep in the apartment what? oh and before that she sent him a text message meant for her ex-boyfriend oh no um, i know and he's just so nice that he's like i'm sure it's fine where as like you know bef- when when he got that text message he should have been like no but well not should mm. should's the wrong word but i think well red he, flag yeah red exactly but he was giving her the benefit for the doubt then she's asleep for 20 minutes eventually he shouted at her and he was like, hello. And then she got up and she was like, you're late. And he was like, no, I am on time. So then she kind of gaslit him. And uh, then she was like, well, we're on the clock. Let's go. So 20 minutes of that, he still paid for. And then wow. she t- something about like, she, I guess they they did talk and it was kind of helpful. So he went back for another session. But when he went back for the other session, he was like, I think she was on drugs. Oh, um, no. She was just like very like. <laughs> She said that she had taken Oxy for a late night dentist appointment, which is oh, like, no. right. And then she asked him about a wedding ring she was trying to get returned. Like how much would he value it? And then got mad at him when he didn't value it high enough. But he's not like a diamond tier. And then oh, she decided to switch up from talk therapy to Reiki. So she asked him to take oh. out his, her like massage bed, I guess. And then she did uh-huh. Reiki on him. But yeah, he didn't Oof. go back after that. But I was Good. like... And at the very end, she was like, she said exactly what he was afraid a therapist would say. Like she said, you'll never be able to have intimate relationships, um, which is ridiculous because, of course, he will be able to, you know, and, and, you know, he just has Mm -hmm. to probably at some stage grieve all of his friends. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's like the complete wrong thing to say to someone. Um, But I said to him, I was like, it sounds like like an abusive when, you know, when you're dating someone and they pick out your insecurity. So you keep yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh, she seems like a con artist. 
But anyway, he didn't go back and then he did find a therapist that he really likes mm. now. Okay. So thank God it didn't turn him off it. But... Uh, <laughs> I question like whether or not that person is licensed as a therapist okay. uh, because that's like pretty bonkers. And there's a lot of things just in that little story where they're like doing things that are unethical and where they should or could get their license taken away. Um, so that's, uh, but I mean, I believe that it definitely happened because I know that there's people out there, whether they're therapists or not, that like do that kind of stuff and kind of take advantage of people um, and offer them all this like kind of kooky help and treatment. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, and I, I I'm like, like I said, like, I'm like a total advocate advocate for therapists. Like therapy is great. Everybody should go for sure. But there are some really bonkers therapists out there. And I said, in like one of my other TikTok videos that like therapists can be fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> and there is like a stereotype of like, Oh, therapist, you're nuts. And a lot of us are kind of nuts. <laughs> um, Cause we sort of like come from not all of us, but like some of us come from this traumatic past where it's like, what the fuck happened to us? And we get into therapy. Cause like, we really want to understand it better. A lot of times healing takes place or awareness or mindfulness or whatever it is. And then we start to become therapists and we use our experience and our trauma to sort of inform us and become even better therapists. But some therapists just like never quite heal or they um, somehow slip through the cracks and they're able to get licensed and it's very upsetting. So if you ever have any sort of experience like your friend did, um, yeah, never go back. And if you want to like report that person to the state board, you just got to like Google the New York state board of licensed professional counselors or whatever. And you can report them because that's uh, scary. It is. And he's so sweet. I think he paid for the two sessions. I'm like, Aww. I'm so cheap with my money. I'd like, uh, I'm not paying for this. <laughs> I'm not, I'm only paying for what I'm getting like, but yeah. And like, that's the thing sometimes people hear horror stories like that but then it's like we all have horror doctor stories exactly. you know my grandmother's a nurse and she says sometimes there'd be like like the odd nurse and she'll have like mm -hmm. this horror story where she's like they never mm -hmm. were obviously taught how to draw blood or something like that but it doesn't mean all nurses are bad so it's like yeah like you said mm -hmm. just kind of shopping around a bit if you do go to a therapist and it's not a good experience um there's something about it that can feel like especially emotionally scarring mm -hmm. um, and totally understandable why you wouldn't ever want to go back to therapy ever again, even though there's going to be some bad therapists, like there's some bad nurses and doctors and yada, yada, but like to go ahead and choose to be emotionally vulnerable and start to trust the process and go to see a therapist and then have it be a horrible experience. You want to emotionally close up and protect yourself and defend yourself and never do that shit again. So I understand why that's happening and why you would never want to go into it. Also what your friend said, I think maybe you've said it in your past podcast, but there's something about like not wanting to go see like a really good skilled therapist because they might dig in and like get something, get in contact with something that feels really big and emotional and traumatic. So I understand that as well. Yeah. I feel like a big part for me and maybe other people relate to this is like, you know, like I've locked away a lot of the stuff. So it's like in a little box locked up back there. And I definitely um, have black, black, blocked out or blacked out some stuff. So it'd be just terrifying mm. to like open that up when it's like, oh, well, you know, I have a good job now or like with, you know, it's like stand up. It's not great pay, but I love it. Um, and <laughs> yeah. I'm doing well. And, you know, I have the podcast and stuff. So it's like, oh, God, that feels like terrifying to think that you would unravel. Um, I had a guest on before and she said this was a long time ago, like maybe two years ago, mm -hmm. but she said she was nervous to ever talk about the stuff with her mother because she was afraid that all the dishes are like piled up in the cabin. Or what did she say? Maybe. No, it was bats, something like that. Let out all these bats out of a cave and she won't be able to like mm -hmm. control them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I get it. That makes a lot of sense. It's, uh, you know, and a lot of times if people coming are coming in and I can tell, even if they don't tell me that there's like 
a bunch of skeletons in those closets or like buried, like uh, emotional experiences that are locked up in boxes. Oftentimes the therapist can tell that that's kind of there. I'm just like, wow, I'm not fucking touching that (laughs) until we can like feel really, really comfortable. That might take a few months or it might take a year or it might take five years. And it's, it's so important that the therapist doesn't re-traumatize their client. So it's, Uh, So we got to like create an environment so that you feel okay, like going into that. And even like, if we get to that point where we talk about those things that have been kind of locked up, you just sort of like at first bump up against it ever so slightly. Like you don't just like open it up and let it all come out. We like talk about what it would be like opening it up. And we talk about like what might be in there. And we talk about how you're going to cope and what you're going to do if you do feel overwhelmed. Like there's like this whole plan that's put in place. And also- if you don't ever want to open it up, I'm not going to force you to open it up. If you want to keep it locked up forever, fuck it, keep it locked up forever. Unless it's like coming out in these strange ways that are making your life really difficult, then you might have to kind of go into it if that's what's causing it. But I also want to respect the fact that you might not want to dig into it ever. And that's okay. I do think though, and I saw another TikTok where a girl was talking about, I love TikTok. I'm obsessed. But she was talking about how she can articulate her emotions, but finds it hard to feel them. And it was like, let's say, so like, I know with me, this is the first, this is the longest term relationship I've had. And we're only five months in like Mm -hmm. eight years. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is like, I'm uncomfortable with getting really intimate and close with someone. And that has to do with whatever I saw, like with the stuff as a child and, you know, and Mm -hmm. like, so I do know I have to go to a therapist at some stage and talk about that because I feel like you can kind of numb yourself a bit. Mm Um, and I think that's like also just protecting yourself. Yeah, exactly. You're totally protecting yourself because if you got even closer or if you continue to get closer with your boyfriend, then all of a sudden that's going to feel really scary and overwhelming and maybe bad stuff is going to happen or that's too vulnerable of a place to go. Uh, so yeah, you're protecting yourself, but it sounds like so far in your relationship, like it's really good and trusting and safe. Yeah. So that's good. And this relationship that you have with your boyfriend could be a healing relationship where you can go ahead and work on those like relational problems or intimacy issues that have kind of like haunted you or that you've like kept locked up with somebody that you feel really safe with. And if you pair that with a therapist, who's kind of like guiding you along the way, then you can like unlock it and be closer than you've ever been to anybody, which could be amazing and scary, but like incredibly fulfilling. Because I remember you said in one of your other videos, if you don't address uh, your issues in your mm-hmm. relationship now, you're just going to have to do it in the next one. And I think for me, yeah. I dated a lot of committophobes, but probably because I was nervous committing myself and it was easy to be like, this guy, like he doesn't want to. But like, I like they usually warned me in the first couple of dates, like I've commitment issues and I'm still in love with my ex. And I'm like, yeah, let's date. <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah, I think what you said about like, if you don't work on your problems in this relationship, you're just gonna have to do it in the next one. And I'm like, oh, that's so wise. Yeah, it's just gonna follow you every single relationship you're in. Um, and it sounds like you have a really good connection with your boyfriend now. So you might as well try to dig in currently instead of like who knows what the next guy might be like this might be like your best chance to do it and oftentimes it is your best chance to really dig in and get in there so yeah uh you should probably really think seriously about doing it it seems like you are thinking seriously and you already have like you're kind of a therapist's dream client because you have like all of this awareness, you're um, really mindful, you're super curious about like how your psyche, how your brain works and how everything goes. So uh, a therapist would like love to work with you because you're, you're just sort of like, you like have all this like uh, thoughtfulness about what's going on. So yeah, I'm going to do you it. To think about it. Yeah, yeah, I will. No, I will. I have your, yeah. your therapy den. Oh, yeah, therapyden.com. So um, I also had a friend and during the pandemic, like we live right beside each other. So we would meet up for coffees all the time and he was really delving into therapy. So I felt like I was getting backhanded therapy because I was like, <laughs> and what did he say about this? And we have a lot uh-huh. of the similar experience. And he was like, well, his mm-hmm. advice was, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was also funny because you said this thing about friends not getting the same therapist. 
And I remember him saying, oh, I could recommend you. And then I never really followed up on it. But I kind of thought about what you were saying, because I was like, I don't know. I don't think I would feel comfortable having the same. Yeah, it would make me feel. Yeah, you got to be careful about that. You really got to think about it. And typically the therapist is going to like think about that a lot, too. Um, Well, this guy, he's therapist for all the comedians because he's so cheap. So he knows everybody. So I was like laughing because one night, well, anyway, one night I saw two people bonding over the fact that he was their therapist. And then they had a little smooch fest. And I was like, this guy must be like when he hears both of them talking about it in therapy this week. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I mean, the therapist is probably if they're seeing like all the comics in town or a bunch of them, then that therapist is probably really good at having boundaries (laughs) and making sure like how to. But it's like kind of fucked up because that therapist might know something that you're not telling them like, cause they heard from a friend that you did X, Y, and Z. And now you're going to session and you're not talking about X, Y, and Z. And then that therapist has to pretend like they don't actually have that information, but they have that fucking information and they know, they know who you fucked last night, you know? So like, um, just know that that's the case. If you see a therapist that sees all of your friends, like they might know more about you than you're actually comfortable divulging. Yeah. Last thing I want to ask you two last things, if this is okay. You said about mm-hmm. ghost, ghosting, which a lot of people are, they deal with. Um, and I loved what you said. Cause you were like, basically like, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fuck them. And you know, it's, it's a really, if somebody ghosts you, it's almost guaranteed that they're conflict avoidant. So do you want to be in a relationship with somebody who's conflict avoidant? Fuck no. Like that is not a good, healthy relationship to be in. They're not going to bring shit up or they're going to like run for the hills if you start to bring things up. So it's a blessing when you get ghosted because like that person can't have like the like diff- slightly difficult conversations. You're good. Yeah, I love thinking about it always as well when someone like when when my friends are dating someone who's been shitty like that or they've ghosted them or they were kind of gaslighty and then they end mm-hmm. it. I'm like in my head, I'm like, it's a lesson because, mm-hmm. yeah, when those issues come up so early on, you're like, there's no way you'll be able to get through real issues long term. No. Yeah, exactly. Just move on. The last thing, because I thought it was funny where you did the Gemini thing. But do you find that because astrology, I have no knowledge of astrology, but seriously, all of my friends are like, uh, and what star sign is your boyfriend? And I'm like, I don't even remember his date of birth. OK, I haven't we haven't hit his birthday yet. So I don't remember. Uh, that's funny. You know, out of all the videos that I've posted, which aren't many just yet, that one has gotten me the most shit. Um, interestingly, well, because you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're joking, like, right? I'm joking. Yeah. I'm totally joking. Um, and I like am head over heels in love with all the Gemini's. So this is like no matter what I do, I typically end up dating in Gemini. Uh, they're fun. They might be a little two-faced, but like, that's exciting. Um, They're usually real sexy for some reason. Uh, I love a Gemini. However, uh, when my clients are coming in and they're telling me that they're dating a Gemini, it's usually, um, I mean, it's joking, but it's also can be true (laughs) that it can be like really dramatic. Do you Hmm. really think that, so you will, you've noticed that character traits are similar depending on people's birth month. Well, what I've noticed is that the clients that come in and report to me that they're Gemini's, so I'm not asking my clients what (laughs) their partner's zodiac signs are. That's not like part of my. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Intake. Uh, (laughs) But... Being in Portland, um, there's a lot of people that are very into astrology and they tell me very quickly what star sign their partner is or what they are. And when my client tells me that they're dating a Gemini, um, they usually kind of know what they're like getting into and they, um, they sort of like set themselves up because they're just like, oh, I'm dating a Gemini. And they're just sort of like, you know, that my little Gemini is bouncing off the walls and they're like being really dramatic and they're trying to control me or something. So they sort of like create the self-fulfilling prophecy oftentimes when you date a Gemini. Um, So it's really just sort of like good information for me. If you believe in star signs and you tell me that you're dating a Gemini, that you could be entering into a dramatic relationship because that's what you believe that it's going to be. That's what you think it's going to be. You know what I mean? It also could be just that they're dating someone who is they've witnessed very quickly is like dramatic or like you said, bouncing off the walls. And then they're like, oh, well, it's because they're a Gemini. So it's like they're giving it an excuse already where it's like my friend's a Gemini and she's like chill as fuck well you know what we'll see in a few years maybe but (laughs) I mean like she's not like any like I'm trying to think like the most toxic guy I dated wasn't it was he a Gemini I don't know February February 10th no that's an Aquarius I think okay well that Aquarius was fucking toxic as hell (laughs) well let me tell you male Aquariuses are fucking bonkers okay so there you go no I'm just saying I'm joking actually I don't I I don't know that (laughs) I'm gonna call off my boyfriend and be like what fucking star sign are you um (laughs) but yeah I think you can like see like I'm a Libra so I'm sure if so like which means like balance but i'm sure if someone was seeing me being like depressed or whatever they'd be like oh she's libra she's unbalanced or you know like you can kind of interpret exactly yeah yeah exactly it's like an ink blot test where you can just like project whatever image you're actually seeing on it um so that and it also must mean that your birthday is coming up so happy birthday i know october 15th yeah Yeah. ah it's very exciting um (laughs) but yeah uh astrology is like it's fun and it's more like entertainment for me uh and I know that it's like seen as pseudoscience but also therapists a lot of them are really woo and believe in this so if you want to find a therapist that believes in astrology and like can do your whole create your whole chart for you you can probably find that um but you'll want to ask your therapist (laughs) if they believe in astrology or not, if that's something that's important to you. Yeah. And I guess that makes sense. Like it's not important to me, but I wouldn't care if my therapist believed in it, but I have a friend who she's big into Reiki and astrology mm-hmm. and she's found her therapist who is big into all of that very helpful and get her through some really, yeah. really tough times. So yeah, I guess mm-hmm. it's just finding like, like-minded. This was amazing mm-hmm. though. Thank you so much. I will tell everybody check out your videos because oh there was even a video recently that made me feel better because I don't think I want to have kids I don't know the only reason why Mm. I would think of it is because of the pressure of society and you Mm -hmm. had that video about that and I was like yeah I should chill I'm 31 nearly I don't need to freak out about it (laughs) yeah exactly good well I'm glad that the videos are helping you all of the videos they're so great I love them so much so um it's at uh, therapy den Mm -hmm. on everything right yes yeah, you can just search for Therapy Den on TikTok or Instagram or Twitter or go to therapyden.com if you're trying to find a therapist. And is there anything else you would like the listeners to find you on anywhere else? Any podcast or anything? Uh, well, there's another podcast that I produce and sometimes I'm the guest host. And that podcast is called Swoon, Love Lessons with Julie and Gina. And that's all about like sex and relationship advice from two sex therapists. That's great. Oh my God. I'm going to go listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. You'll love it. I think you'll dig it. Okay. That was absolutely amazing. We'll wrap it up here because I don't want to take up much more of your time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. 